hello, and welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast. All right, so two words, Black Twitter. That's the whole tweet, okay? We are back today and talking about the one and only, oft imitated, never duplicated, Black Twitter, all right? We're going to talk about the art of Black social media, the perils and pitfalls of cancel culture, and also getting our credits where they are due because we know we are doing all of it and sometimes not getting paid for it. We've touched on this a little bit before in past seasons. The saga still continues and our Twitter fingers are sore. Social media has been ablaze as it is wont to do these past few weeks and rightfully so because we got to get into it people's court style, all right, about who we are canceling, what cancel culture even does, and what we're even trying to get from it. But first, we have a special guest on the show today to add all the extra heat to the roundtable, Miss Sashir Zamata, okay? The funny, talented, booked, and busy comedian and actress from all of your faves. You may know her from her hilarious stand-up special, Pizza Mind. She hosts her own podcast, Best Friends, with Nicole Byer, which is hilarious. You can also see her on Hulu's Woke, a ton of your fave movies, and most recently, ABC's new show. Home Economics, which is now in its second season. Welcome, 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 Sashir Zamata, to the Go Off This Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. How you doing? How you feeling? Pulling up to the Go Off This Roundtable today. I am good. I'm refreshed. I just came from therapy, so I'm open. <laughs> she is, all channels are open right now. But yeah, I am good. Love that. Okay, so you're feeling enlightened, lifted. Um, We're going to drag it back down a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so to start out, um, every episode, we do a roundtable question. And obviously, in perfect fashion, since we're talking about Black social media today, we wanted to see what is your favorite Black Twitter moment. So, Sashir, as the guest, we'll start off with you. I really love looking to Black Twitter whenever there is catastrophe or (laughs) something going on in the world or the country because it's just like immediate. People have jokes and memes. As soon as like coronavirus was a thing that we were all aware of, I feel like everyone was just like so fast with what the mask coverings are going to be. How do I get out of here? How can I go to a different planet? Earth is ghetto. Like I just love... (laughs) how fast we are when it comes to the jokes because we're very used to, you know, creating humor out of tragedy. So I feel like it's appropriate that when we have mass tragedy, we are the ones who bring the humor. Oh, every time. I feel like we were the first to call it the Rona, Miss Rona, like all all of that, like the Panini, the Panorama. Okay, so Anae, our doll, how you doing? How you feeling? Hey, y'all. It's the doll in May, Komunibo culture critic. I, too, am a member of Black Twitter who is always cracking jokes, playing too much on that app. I live there. That's my neighborhood. That's my home. My favorite Black Twitter moment, I don't know if y'all remember, last year, end of last year, when that girl tweeted that Black people were going to get superpowers on December 21st. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? What does that mean? What does that mean? And she was like, yeah, y'all don't know what's part of the DNA and the mRNA. And people were like, okay, yeah. So we all went with it. I remember that it carried across from Black Twitter to Instagram, TikTok. Facebook was a little late as they are. You know how it is over there. But we were all just getting on the apps and being like, yeah, I got my superpowers. I think there was a there was a filter on Instagram that gave you like red eyes and the Kente cap. 
baby, that was a day. And it was only <laughs> like, and it was only black people <laughs> participating as it should have been. Great gatekeeping. I loved it. Amazing. <laughs> I do have a little bit of telekinesis. I'm not going to hold y'all. I can't show anybody listening on the pod, but if you know, you know. <laughs> just again, just letting y'all know. Also, in like the best black Twitter fashions, like just drop a very specific claim with zero background or no like, evidence. And everyone's like, evidence. okay, yeah, powers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maya, our girl in the dirty South, how you feeling? What's up? What's up, y'all? It's your fave Queen Maya from the South. 904 Duval, stand up. I'm not a Twitter bay. I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm a Twitter bay via Instagram and TikTok only, so I might get it secondhand. But my favorite one was how it started versus how it was going. Mm. Because it started off so small, and then it transitioned into something so big. So you know the girl who's always holding her belly, and she's stepping into the new year up the stairs? (laughs) When they did that— And you know how it's blessings, affirmation, money, wealth. And then for 2020, and then 2021, it's corona. Girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Student loans. I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) why are you right? Why are you loud? Like, don't do that. It's just my favorite. And you saw it like a week later because it was on TikTok. Hey, I have to be taught how to Twitter. If (laughs) y'all teach in Twitter classes, let me know. Because honestly, yeah. It's Mm-mm. it's a lot though, but it's also the best because like if you miss something, it'll come back around. It'll like be back. there'll be something up five minutes later that you can like hop on. But that's fair, and you guys know I move in silence. Like real G's move in silence, like lasagna. So I'm never anywhere. One of the things that I do love, even though I'm not active, I have a file on things that I go back to when I'm just in a terrible mood, and a lot of them are Twitter threads. And the one most recently that just like still makes me laugh is at Solomon, Missouri, when he went on that entire tirade chain on Sonia and Del Curry's divorce. Oh my gosh. Again, a very, very sad situation. And I am not in any way celebrating this dissolution of marriage. But what I will say (laughs) is Solomon just went in. Literally, like, do you like turmeric? Do you like charcoal ice cream? You better <laughs> learn to like it. Tulu? Literally. A million like, question marks. <laughs> truly, you do not want to be out here learning TikTok dances and falling off milk crates. <laughs> Go get your woman back. Like, truly, it was, I screamed every single one because the best part is that it kept going. Yeah. Like, just foot on your neck. Like, you just couldn't stop. And that, for me, is like, one of the best things about Black Twitter. We just don't stop. <laughs> when, even when we should. We should. Oh. <laughs> and so that's actually kind of what I, we wanted to sort of delve into, right? The fact that Black Twitter and our Black social media overall is this sort of like wild, wild west space, or it has felt like it, right? Where there are almost no rules, which is dope because we can be whoever we want to be. We can be our full Black selves out loud on purpose in caps over and over. But that comes with a lot of sort of pitfalls and negatives because that means everyone else can consider 
consume it too, right? So first, I want to talk a little bit about the power of Black Twitter. And something, Sashir, that I want to sort of pose to you is that you have a whole-ass TV show, okay? Home Economics, which is now in season two on ABC. And we know that Black Twitter loves to watch their stories and live tweet them. So tell us a little bit about this show and sort of what for you was so exciting that, you know, we want the Black Twitter Alien? Black Twitterians? <laughs> Black tweeters. <laughs> yeah. Home economics is about socioeconomics. And it's about centered around one family that's broken up into three different families. And the economic status of each one is very clear. There's a very rich, affluent brother. There's a middle-class writer brother. And then there's a bleeding heart, social justice, broke family. And I'm in the broke family. <laughs> I'm, a <laughs> I'm a teacher in the family. My wife is uh, a counselor at a school. And yeah, it's it's interesting because there are very clear, like, I guess, stereotypes of that type of person in these characters. But these people are also very real people. Like, I know these people in real life as well. And then we come into storylines in the show where it's like, how much of our morals, our values, are we willing to give up or bend in order to make money? Or, mm. or can you make money and still keep those values? And, and and also, same for the rich brother. Like, can you make a lot, a lot of money and also not be evil? <laughs> or, or is it okay to give your brother money? Like, we just cover money issues in family, and that's always kind of a sticky, gross issue to talk about. But I feel like it's helping people in the world talk about it because they're seeing it on TV and a lot of times that inspires conversation with people in your circle. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting show that I don't know if a ton of other shows have, have covered money topics like this so intricately. I, I like being a part of it because we get to be able to have fun, but also, like, be real. Mm. So when you talk about sort of the morality on the show, can you tell us a little bit about, like, bringing that sort of full Blackness as an actress and what that sort of meant for you? Yeah. Well, I feel very fortunate that this is an, a very collaborative environment. Some environments are not. Mm-hmm. I like thriving in environments where people want to know my opinion and know my story. Just recently, the creator of the show was texting me and was like, I know you did a house cleansing. What was that like? And I just you know, told him all my very earthy woo-woo <laughs> ways. <laughs> and and that might be in my character. And I, and I love that we are able to put a little bit of ourselves into these people because that helps us as performers, but also helps make the story feel more full and more round. And also feel very fortunate that we have a very diverse writer's room and it's mostly women. We have some black women, we have some Latina women and and we have some gay women, we have some moms. We just have people who are actually like able to draw from their own lives and stories. I mean, that's important because I feel like there's a lot of effort to put diversity in front of the camera sometimes, but not necessarily think about what that looks like behind the camera. And I feel like this show is making a real effort to try to hire people that reflect the people in front of the camera and tell those stories. Mm. And I, I love that too. And that's something that I think is really special. And like you said, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> it, you don't always see that, but we're getting more of that. But I think Social media is the ground where we were able to sort of start that, right? And have those conversations with ourselves and start to think about like almost like trade information, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely happening more. Thank God. Like, I mean, 
we got a literal story from Twitter, Zola, and and that's like a <laughs> a wonderful, beautiful black story that we wouldn't have gotten if if the people couldn't have access to it. That's like a great thing about Twitter. It's like and the internet in general. Like there's always a good and there's always a evil, <laughs> but. One great thing is that we can be connected and, and get information and spread information very, very, very quickly. And I think that's important for all communities, but like especially the Black community. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like Twitter is such a good space for that because it's like thinking about Zola, thinking about like even the amounts of shows that have gotten like plots or even just like premises based off of Twitter. Like, oh, we saw this tweet about XYZ and blah, blah, blah. blah. Twitter is the kind of the hotspot for that because, you know, Black Twitter it is the first. That's where everything started. That's where a lot of these people, a lot of writers got their start on Black Twitter. A lot of like celebrities were building up their brands there. And I think it's just due to that kind of like flexibility and the freedom that comes from Black Twitter. It's so irreverent that it's like, there's no rules. And when Black people get in a space where there's no rules, we gonna say whatever we want to say for better or for worse, which means that there are going to be a lot of hot takes. There's going to be a lot of arguments. There's just like dialogue going around in general, which is good and bad, but like on social media, people feel freer. And I think Twitter specifically is that place where I'm going to get these thoughts off. I'm going to say whatever I want to say and just put it into the the universe and be like, I said it and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I also like just find interesting is that we're constantly like breaking that new ground. And then it's like the groundswell of people. Even now, they're sort of trying to like hop on this train of like, okay, Black Twitter, do your thing, right? Whether it's like a Burger King tweet or something else, that there's like this idea that Black Twitter is going to take it and run. And I feel like that is super powerful, but it becomes a double-edged sword because then it's like, who is watching this and who do we want to make sure is profiting from this? It's probably not the CEO of Burger King. They're fine. <laughs> like, they're fine. <laughs> That's also kind of being like, do the work for me. Yeah. Take it away, Black Twitter. Do the advertising for me. Go reach a demographic that I don't even know how to. I'm not going to do any research to figure out how to do this. Y'all just do it for me. So, Shir, as someone in the industry and you're seeing this play out on the Internet and just the media in general, do you feel like there's a line in terms of visibility and then co-opting and credit? Because I feel like it gets weird sometimes because nobody owns anything on the Internet per se. But at the same time, like if I was the first person to tweet this and then like Facebook or, you know, a brand is like, oh, yeah, we're going to run from that idea. There is a line. Somebody made this up and somebody created it. What do you think that is? I think there is definitely, there's room for more regulation. It's it's hard because it's like Twitter is free and you could just put it out there and how can you track who says what? But like some, you can, <laughs> people's names are right there and there's, there's timestamps. Yeah. There are ways to figure this out. I feel like something came up like a few years ago with Lizzo. It was uh, the DNA test, right? Oh, I yeah, feel like yeah, there yeah. was like a, the, someone had tweeted I'm 100% that bitch or something like that. And and then it ended up in a song. And I don't know if, I don't think Lizzo was denying that it was from a tweet, but like people were like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what about this credit. girl's credit? And then later, Lizzo did, did write by this girl and gave her writing credit on the song, which is amazing. That doesn't always happen. But I feel like there are ways to go ahead and include people because they are creating something that you're using. Just like anything else, if you're, 
sampling a song, if you're, you know, using someone's actual literature, like if you're using a piece of work in something that you're shooting, you have to pay for that or at least give credit. So if it comes from Twitter, I feel like they can be a little more shady because it's just an open forum. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I mean, it's tough because like you said, it's, it's an open space. Anyone can make a Twitter. People can have multiple Twitter accounts or whatever. But for me, as a as a proud member of Black Twitter, I feel like some stuff is our business and you shouldn't even be able to like have money to then give it back to me. Like we can't block anyone mm. from being part of the joke or the hashtag or whatever. But like the way the gatekeeping works, I feel is that, you know, if you're on the outside, you need to know yourself and know your place. Stay in a non-Black Twitter place. Be a fan, spectate, and retweet it or, you know, laugh in the thread or whatever. But you can't contribute. I feel like I'm on the offensive. I If I'm seeing a thread about Black people, like a thread where it's like every Black person has this blanket with the diamonds or whatever like that. And some people, <laughs> yeah. and there were some non-black, yes. non-Black people like, oh, I have it too. I was reporting them because you see <laughs> Black in here. You see that this is our business and you're still doing that. I'm the gatekeeper. I'm on the front lines fighting. And I feel like, you know, some conversations we can be a little bit more flexible, but, you know, I am, I'm at the front bucking and people like, move, you're not supposed to be here. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I no, don't know. that's fair. That's fair though, because I mean, again, like you said, you're extreme with it. And as long as you're self-aware, again, because we're fresh off therapies this year, like self-awareness <laughs> is the first step, right? Like that's fine. Like, cause I, I do feel like we have to be very clear because if not, we won't get it, right? When you think of like beyond just Twitter, like TikTok is, that is rampant, Mm -hmm. right? When we talk about like the Jaliah Harmons who created the Renegade Dances, right? And she, it took almost a year for one, to her to get credit. For two, I think three months ago, she just got the copyright for it so she can make money from it, right? So I think it's getting the credits, getting the coins. That is a whole process that, in in a lot of ways, it's stacked against us because we don't, you know, have the celebrity of, say, Elizzo to say, you know what, like, you're right, I do need to be held accountable, and I am giving this credit to this person and making sure they are compensated appropriately, which is the best-case scenario, right? But I think a lot of times, we don't get best-case scenario, especially on these, like, platforms that really, in a lot of ways, trade on our creativity, frankly. Mm-hmm. But thank God we are in a place where all of this is public and we mm. can all see it because we didn't have social media when, you know, our music was being stolen. Yeah. Like when rock Ooh. and roll is being stolen, Ooh. you know, like so many things have been stolen from our culture for so long. But at least <laughs> in this time, we can see it and be loud and maybe something can happen. Maybe not, but... Yeah, I feel like that's enough, though. Enough? Yeah, because now I feel like with the Addison Rays of the world, like I just Mm -hmm. seen her in a Netflix movie. Why? Why are you in a Netflix movie? You got here because you was (laughs) off other other black people's dances. That's how you got to acting horribly on this Netflix show. So I feel like now that we have cameras and it makes everything apparent, it's just them still doing it. But it's like, oh, well, I'm in your face doing it now. Now what? Now what? Because yeah. we do have some some kids who get to the top and actually get the copyright and get the money. But we also have a lot of 
influencers who are like, oh yeah, I see, I see you see me do what I'm doing and I don't care because these platforms, and I feel like we should also hold the platforms accountable, are allowing me to do these things. Because one, for me, it's like, if you know somebody that you really like is biting off of somebody else and imitating work and you still are supporting them, babe, that's judgment upon you and your whole family. You know what I'm saying? It is. It's, it banish you and your whole family. Shame to you all. Because at the end of the day, the people that become famous, they have an impact on culture too. That's true. And I guarantee you, in the history books, when you look up Addison Ray's names, the facts aren't going to be she was stealing from Black creators. Mm-hmm. That's why she's famous. It's just going to be like, she was a TikToker who became famous and started a movie career. And next week, she's going to be singing. And the bitch can't sing. Whoop. And you know that. I've never heard a song, so Girl. which says probably a lot. But I think that my your point is very real and that like, what are we gonna remember, right? And what mm-hmm. again, who is going to write number one that story? And are they going to give appropriate credence to the people who originated it? Exactly. Probably not. Probably mm-hmm. not. And I think a great point that you just raised also is that we do have to hold these platforms accountable for that. Because when we're talking about this, this is also something that is not by accident. Of course. (laughs) This is not by accident. When we're talking about the Twitters, the Instagrams, the TikToks, the Facebooks, like this is an equal opportunity bias that they are actually implementing. It has been proven that it is in the algorithms that they literally do this on purpose in order to either shadow Black content. There have been TikTokers who shared sort of how when they use specific hashtags like white supremacy, they still end up on the For You page, but when they use hashtags like Black Lives Matter, they get shadow banned. That is very specific, and that is an a flaw within the platforms. But again, when they're doing dances and doing things that are popular, they pop right to the top. And that was a lot of the issues behind this TikTok strike that we were hearing about this summer and that no one was talking about until we actually just started saying, no, 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 this is a real problem. And these creators are actually not going to do their pop, pop locks anymore for you to make money from, which was a huge departure, you know, because like you said, Sashir, like the power of social media goes both ways. So you can steal from us, but we can also strike and we can come together and form a collective opinion that we're not doing this anymore for you. You know, we're not writing your stuff and letting you put your name on it anymore, which I think is also super powerful too when you think about sort of just like this next generation and how they they wield these platforms for their own needs. This season, we're reminding you what it means to be that girl, okay? From our style to our space and more, we're investing in our future and using our voices to lead the culture forward. So whether you're building ownership or building community, Target has what you need to celebrate your legacy your way. And so... I think, Sashira, I want to know for you as someone who's in comedy and has been in comedy and sort of comedy is this like place to be free and share your point of view. And in recent years, especially now, the place of what a comedian is and what purpose comedy serves, I think has been questioned and especially over the past month, right? I think, you know, if you're if you're a comedian, you're sort of a truth teller, right? But I think in this age now, how do you sort of feel about you know, the state of comedy now and, you know, amid this sort of like forever on canceling season? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, man. It's interesting. Yeah, we are questioning the role of the comedian, and I'm also questioning it. It's interesting because I have definitely looked to comedians and people I've looked up to as like kind of a barometer of where society is. I, I like to think of comedy as a reflection of what we're all going through. But then there's also a dangerous territory where we um, put comedians on a pedestal or we look to mm-hmm. them to answer all of our questions or to let us know. And and it happens all the time where something big will happen. And it's like, oh, I wonder what this comedian is going to talk about. Or like, I wonder, I can't wait to get, you know, so-and-so's opinion on it. And that's great. I love hearing opinions, but I don't think we should be trusted <laughs> to mm. be the last word on anything. If anything, I like to think that comedians are good at starting a conversation, giving a different perspective, and hopefully the audience continues the conversation with whatever their perspective is and, and they have more thoughts on it. But I don't know if we should be looking to comedians for the answer. And also, as far as cancel culture goes, I wish people didn't look at it as like such a um, negative thing because some people do need to be canceled. And also, it's more of an accountability culture. It's more just like keeping people Mm -hmm. accountable for actions that they did or things that they may have said. I'm willing to, I love a comeback. I love people coming back. (laughs) I love a retribution story. And if people are willing (laughs) to come back and like learn and grow from mistakes, Amazing. Yeah. And if people double down and are unapologetic and do not care to hear how people responded to something they said or did, that sucks. And that's unfortunate. And you got to go. Sorry. That's <laughs> Sorry right. Man. Exactly. <laughs> that's just how that's how it is. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like the state of comedy is just fine. Comedy's <laughs> doing all right. Comedy is still comedy. It'll always, thank God. Thank God it will always be here. That's like Mm -hmm. an art form that is so malleable and there's always going to be new voices. It just depends on which voices get lifted up and and supported. And that's up to the audience and also the people, and also the gatekeepers and also also the people who are allowing those people to speak. But I think comedy will do just fine no matter what. That was a great answer, number one. <laughs> like, really and truly. Like, I'm just very, I, and I love what you said, one, about, like, comedy being eternal. Comedy's going to comedy. But also the fact that, like, even you're asking these questions, right, as someone in that space of, like, what is what is the role of comedy? Because I think what you're getting onto a little bit, too, is when we're talking about accountability culture. And I, like, let, let's just start using that because cancel culture yeah. is, is canceled as just as a concept. We're canceling cancel culture. But when we're talking about sort of accountability culture, I think we step into this situation where, yes, you can be funny. And, again, like you said, we're not looking at you like, you know, comedians necessarily are political scientists with graduate degrees and experience across uh, all verticals and, you know, conversations that are specific to all community groups, because that's not true. We are not of all of those community groups. So I think one of the things that we have to be aware of is that where we have those blind spots, whether you are someone who is famous, a comedian, or not, right? Because I think what we're talking about is holding people accountable for their words, 
Yes, always. And making sure to understand that we're giving them credit for their work, but also, again, credit for their words. Because when we step now into this conversation of something that is not their business or harmful to the business of others, which we're currently seeing, you know, with everyone from a Nicki Minaj to a Dave Chappelle, like, that's where we wade into this concept of, well, maybe you do need to get told a few many things. And I feel like Anae is nodding because she also has a theory on what is appropriate for this that I just want her to share as well about how to sort of get around this. Look, it's time to bully. <laughs> you got to bully some people. I'm so sorry. And we're bullying in love. And I like I feel like cancel culture is fake in the sense that people, a lot of people can come back from it, but they don't always come back better. And I feel like because we didn't go hard enough in holding them accountable and, in my opinion, fiercely accountable for their actions. You know, at the same time, it's like shame and being shamed publicly does work in a lot of ways, especially if you have a platform. If you're a verified person, if you have a million and X, Y, Z followers, especially if they're like young people. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but a certain fandom, you have all these people who are under your influence and you care so much about what you think and you're spewing filth and lies and negativity and harmful things about certain groups, like, yeah, it's time to bully. What, what do you mean? I'd be reporting people, but also it's something about saying like, hey, everyone gather around and look at this nonsense. Look at what this person is saying. And also I love a, this you pulling up a tweet from last week that was hypocritical and nonsensical. Is this you? You were saying that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like there's so much like, power in coming together and holding people accountable for that stuff. But then at the same time, I'm also a believer in like not engaging. If there's a level of filth that I can't even believe is happening, I'm going to mute it. I'm not even giving you the clicks. I'm not even giving you the views because that's exactly what you want. You're making money off of that. You're you're dead to me. You don't exist. So I feel like we got to bully a little bit. I don't know. At what point do you say, hmm, I'm not really missing out on anything because this is hateful and this is harmful. The only thing I'm missing out on is jumping on a bandwagon that negatively impacts and hurts other people. And I don't want to be a part of that. Not because you don't want it to happen to you, because it's the right thing. And that's what we really need to get behind. What are the right things that we should be doing to be moving Mm. forward? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I think one of the things that you guys are also talking about is like, I'm just divesting. Like I'm I'm disengaging from this conversation. And... So, Sheer, because we've done some social media stalking, you don't follow anyone on social media. I don't. At all. I really don't. <laughs> and we were talking about this, and we were wondering, like, is that a way for you to sort of, like, preserve your mental health? Yeah, it does. It's, it's about protecting my peace and mm. cleansing the timeline. And so when I go to Twitter, Instagram, I'm looking for things specifically or like I'm checking in on a friend that I wanted to talk to or I'm or I'm just looking at memes randomly but I have no idea what bullshit's happening <laughs> cuz I'm not following anybody and if whatever's trending then I'll just like check in see what's going on but yeah I did that a few years ago and I haven't looked back <laughs> so what really does your nice. feed look like is it all suggestions yeah it's really funny it's like I go to the explore page and on Instagram it's like dogs or like <laughs> new user. people falling down <laughs> or it's just like random stuff but nothing crazy and then I just like send and I get memes from my friends but that's that's about it I know the FBI agent watching you is confused he's like what well, you don't follow, don't follow nobody what are we supposed to show her <laughs> I mean but the algorithm is gonna algorithm 
they learned my mm. patterns. They know what I click on. They know what I like. So they will mm. show me that same stuff, which is a little scary, but also convenient. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, are your friends ever like, you didn't see that post? Like, I, like I'm like i personally offended. Like, for the people that you yeah, do want to see? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yes. All the time. Oh, yeah. I have friends that are like, I posted this thing. And I'm like, text okay. me. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I say. Text me. Like, just text me a link to it. If you want me to see it, you have my yeah. actual contact information. <laughs> text me your good news. I'm not, I didn't know. <laughs> just scrolling, looking up. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I definitely do miss trends, too. Like, the other mm. day, I saw some sort of, like, maybe it was a car wash or something, and it was, like, a bunch of, like, triangle red flags all over the place. And I was like, oh, that'd be a funny meme. Like, if you, to, like, be like, oh, my ex or something, all these red flags. And my man was like, that happened two weeks ago. Like, oh everyone on Twitter <laughs> was posting about red flags. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, like, I am shocked. <laughs> she thought she was on. She was like, I'm about to, I'm about to kill the internet with this. What? <laughs> I'm like, hit him with it. <laughs> like, no, literally, literally everybody was doing this. <laughs> That's actually amazing, though. I love That seems like much more of a peaceful life, though. Like, you're, like, not being bombarded with things. And you can also, like, have the time and space to make your own decisions about what and who you do or do not like. Which I feel like is also one of the things that, like... I want us to just sort of dig into a little bit for these last few minutes about sort of like deciding who we're going to forgive, right? And who we're going to change on and that sort of like etiquette because I think that's one of the things that like we sort of try to figure out like what is the goal of cancel culture, right? Like are we trying to educate? Are we trying to publicly in a healthy way shame as Anae said? Are we trying to get to a place where Hopefully, these folks are, you know, doing some o- their own self-work. But, like, for you, where is that line where you are maybe potentially thinking about forgiving someone? What what does that look like? Well, I mean, even though some people, you know, a lot of people who are getting canceled are not my personal friends. I, fair, I do fair. think of it as, like, well, what, if my friends apologize this way, would I accept this apology? Or, like, mm. if my friends said something out of pocket— and then had no remorse for it, how would I feel? And kind of use that same logic for these very public figures. Does it actually look like they're working on themselves or do they not give a shit? If they don't give a shit, why do I give a shit? Why, you know, why would I try to like, I'm also not going to spend my time educating anybody. I don't, mm. that's not, that's also protecting my peace. I don't not. have time. I don't have the energy. Good luck. <laughs> I hope you, Google is free. Yeah, Like yep. you can figure out. There's so many ways to figure out anything. But uh, yeah, ultimately, it's like, I'm not going to use my brain and emotions. I'm not going to overwork myself to help anybody, especially mm. if they're doing wrong. Mm. That sounds like me. <laughs> no, it's a little, me too. Accountability and like what you will and won't forgive. Like, okay, I again, I know exactly where this is going. I don't need to hear no more. And good night, good luck, take it to the altar. Like, that's sort of it. And I feel like those are the boundaries that we have to set for ourselves, too, in order to just, like, maintain our personal health. Because, like you were just saying, we can't educate everyone. We just kind of got to let that go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's a level of, like, you can't control what people put on the internet because, we, like we've been saying, everyone has a right to sign up for the internet. But what you can do in your own life is to be very militant about what you will allow for yourself and for other people around you. Like for me, I'm not, I'm not with no homophobia. I'm not with any like misogyny, any kind of like ism, whatever. I'm not going to tolerate it. 
for people around me, people, my family, friends, I don't allow any kind of like bigotry around me because that's not that's not the way that I am. And I also want people to feel safe around me. So I feel like mm. on the internet, you know, obviously like following the right people so you can have discussions that are productive, but also in your real life, you have to be militant as well. And I feel like there is a level of not cancel culture, but like policing that you have to do with the people in your own life to create the environment that you want. It's kind of like following, like Sashir follows nobody. Like I curate the people in my life so that I can have peace of mind and that the people around me can have peace of mind. I don't want to bring anyone into my circle and they feel like, oh, it's a little homophobic in here. It's a little bit Mm -hmm. classist in here. It's a little bit whatever. Mm. So for me, I'm always going to be diligent about like setting this, the boundaries and the parameters, like we don't do that. We don't create that kind of toxic environment because like the internet is the internet, but real, like people are affected by that. So if like mm. my brother is to tweet something crazy, I will be like, take that down. That's weird. What does that come from? Because I don't want, I don't want no issues. I feel like let's just stop being dickheads. It's not that hard. And if you are going to be a dickhead, you are going to get called out. And the right way to respond is like, I didn't know it was like that. Okay, my bad. I'm not going to do it again. But people out here be like, well, it's my it's my human right. God gave me the right to be a homophobe. That's my right. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and also, like, Twitter is not run by the U.S. government. They do not have to Baby. adhere to any free, like, they can cut you off if they want to. These are private companies. This, like, And that is, I think, the point of this is that, sure, you can say whatever you want, but that also means that there are consequences to whatever you say. Exactly. And that... Intention has nothing to do with impact. Period. Sashir, any sort of last thoughts that you want to share on accountability, comedy, anything up for you as you sort of are wading in and understanding your new place in this comedy space? Are we expecting a little bit more on that side or anything for you that you're excited about or you want to sort of dig more into in this next season? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm actually, I'm on another show. She's booked. Called Woke. Woke. (laughs) It's on Hulu. And uh, the second season's coming out early next year, early 2022. But we actually do cover a lot of this stuff where I feel like the first season was about Lamorne Morris's character and learning about his wokeness and coming Mm -hmm. into his blackness and how his art is viewed by a public eye. And I feel like the second season is really comparing people's perspective of what it is to be woke. And I think it's cool because we don't talk about who's right. And I like that. I like that. That's like, mm. here's, here's what my activism looks like. Here's what yours looks like. And, and sometimes we disagree. Sometimes someone, there's some push and pull, but I think it's going to be interesting because it's like this, where it's like, what is the best way to communicate your values without offending somebody or if you offend somebody was that the right thing to do and yeah so that I'm excited for I'm excited for people to see that hopefully that again starts a dialogue doesn't end one (laughs) does does not answering any questions it's just getting an audience to talk and think on their own also I'm gonna start doing more stand-up it's still a pandemic but (laughs) I'm glad it's we're opening up at least a little bit where we can be in front of each other because I do miss live performance so much it's it's my favorite. It's just an easy way to like connect with people immediately in real time and and speak truth and have people respond. And yeah, so I'm, I will be shooting a special that I was supposed to shoot in 2020 <laughs> next year. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone, I feel like everyone had their best plans in 2020. Everyone was about to do the best thing Something. in their life in 2020. <laughs> and then it got postponed. 
but yeah, that'll that'll be happening sometime next year. And then you get to see more of my stuff. Yes, we love that. Okay, look, we didn't get what we all wanted to do in 2020, but at the very least, we got some powers from Black Twitter, all right? <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much, Sashir, for joining us and just sort of giving us a perspective into you and how you move about in this world. And again, you might be onto something here with following no one. So if nothing else, that is that is a gem that we can give to our audience. So thank you so much for being here on Go Off Sis. Thank you for having me. Good talking to all of you. And with that, we have reached the end of our discussion. But oh, wait, not yet, because we are now at my favorite part of the conversation, the don't at me. And for you, if you're new, true, or just want to hear me say it again, the don't at me is the part of the conversation where we tie a little bow on everything we've talked about today with our lovely guest, Sashir. We give you some food for thought and just some energy to move about your day with. And in case the title wasn't clear, you cannot at us, okay? Nothing. Nunca. Non. Nine. No. Heart emoji. And again, I think for this one, we've aptly assigned this to our healthy bullying queen who doesn't take no shit, Miss Anae. So, Doll, take it away, please. Hey, y'all. It's the Doll and the Bully. Back again to talk about the internet. It is a gift that Blue Ivy gave to us many years ago, and it can really be used in a plethora of wonderful ways. Memes, insecure live tweets, the dissemination of important global news and updates, social political discourse, general commiseration, and so much more. But unfortunately, people in the digital space are also making it feel like a hellscape because they're abusing their internet privileges. And that needs to stop. Let's try to be more intentional about how we navigate the internet, whether it's Black Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook with the aunties and grandmas. And I'm not judging because, you know, I'd be on there too. Just try to find your tribe, you know, and spend your time supporting that community and not fighting with the terrible people whose sole purpose is to troll and torment other people. And while we're talking about trolling, stop that. Stop it. It's very weird. It's very disgusting. It's also embarrassing. We're grown people, so we need to use the platform that Blue Ivy gave us on and offline for good and not evil. Understand that with great power comes great responsibility and alongside that, accountability. The words that you say, the things that you do, the way that you treat people, all of that matters. And every seed that you sow, you will reap in the future. Cancel culture isn't really real in the way that people claim it is. What we're seeing are consequences. And if you have the guts to do whatever you want, you also need to have the guts to take that L and accept the consequences of your actions. Pro tip, just don't be a bad person. Respect and care for other people goes a really long way. And even though being a dickhead can get you clicks and views, it can also get you into a lot of trouble. It's not worth it, baby. Just do better. Just just be better. That's all. Just, just a little bit of advice. That's it. Don't add me, though. For real. Blue said, now why my name get put in it? <laughs> The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today work Maya Carmichael and Inaye Komanibo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Go off, sis.
money worm. <laughs>